Welcome to That Vacation Co. Podcast. This is Chanel today. It's just a solo podcast. Um, Just me today. Sorry about that. But um, we will be covering uh, Olive and I, our most recent trip to Baton Rouge. So we just figured we'll change it up a little bit. And today it'll just be me since Caleb, unfortunately, was not able to make this trip. This was just a mother-daughter trip down to our homeland, Olive and my homeland, I guess we should say, um, the land of our birth, Louisiana. Caleb is a Minnesotan, if you didn't know that. He is from the frozen north, from the land of Minnesota. We'll have to maybe do a Minnesota podcast in the future, although it's been a long time since we've been there. Caleb could definitely tell you some things, and it's another place that's on our radar of places to visit in the future. Olive wants to go visit Minnesota to see where dad is from. And uh, it's a great place to visit. Um, So anyway, back to this podcast. This podcast will cover our recent journey down to the mysterious bayous of Louisiana. We actually spent no time on the actual bayou. But nonetheless, we're way down south in Cajun country, way down in south Louisiana, um, almost as far down south as you can go, um, just a few hours away from the from the Gulf Coast uh, shores. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, here's just a little bit of historical tidbit. Tidbit, historical fact. I love to look things up and uh, give a little bit of history or factoids or stats about different places. So. No different with Baton Rouge, no different with Louisiana. And so just here's a little bit about Baton Rouge specifically, because that's where our um, that's where our trip was concentrated as much as we love New Orleans and the other surrounding areas. Because this was a family trip, we spent our time in Baton Rouge, where our family is located, which is the capital city of Baton Rouge, of, of Louisiana. A lot of people maybe don't know that. A lot of people might assume that New Orleans is because that's the city that everybody thinks about when they think about Louisiana. They think about New Orleans, which at one point was the capital city. Yes, it was. Um, but Baton Rouge has been the capital, the beloved capital of Louisiana for a very long time. And for those of you who don't know, the name Baton Rouge means red stick. Um, And it was named so as the French European explorers noticed a large red boundary marker pole as they were sailing down the Mississippi River. This was a um, a Native American uh, boundary marker between two different Indian nations, two different Indian tribes, uh, between the Bayou Gula and the Homa tribes. And um, their term for it was Estruma, which actually is the name of um, a neighborhood area in Baton Rouge to this day. I went to a school called Estruma uh, Middle Magnet School, and it was in that that area that the city was founded, um, that it was discovered by the French. Um, so the French saw it and aptly named it Baton Rouge, which means red stick. So um, that is the name of of my hometown. That's the name of the capital city of Louisiana. And it's believed um, that this original marker that the city was named after uh, was located somewhere on the modern, the present day campus of Southern University, which is one of the major universities that's located there in South Louisiana. Um, Baton Rouge has been under the care of seven different governments, seven in the colonial era era. It was French 
British, Spanish, then briefly the Republic of West Florida as a U.S. territory and state. Bet you didn't know that one. The Republic of West Florida. Um, then, of course, it was briefly held by the Confederate, uh, the Confederacy, and then again the U.S. government after the Civil War. So seven different governments, seven different um, sovereignties or countries have um, laid claim to Louisiana, which again gives us such a uh, melting pot of history, having been owned and inhabited by so many different countries. Uh, because Louisiana was owned by the French and Spanish, which are predominantly Roman Catholic practicing countries, or at least at the time of their of the colonial era, uh, Louisiana still maintains the use of the term parishes instead of counties. We are the only state in the country to use that term to refer to our sort of geopolitical boundaries. Um, in other states, they would say counties. In Louisiana, we say parishes. And that comes from, like I said, those French and Spanish um, sovereignties that once ruled over the, the area of Louisiana. And it was an easy way in the earliest days to consolidate the political and religious um, territories. So it was just easier. Um, the, the church of that day had divided things into parishes. And it was just, it made a lot of sense politically as well to use those same parishes as um, sort of political and geographical boundary markers. And it just stuck over the years. And there's probably a lot more history that could be said about it and a lot more detail that could be said about it, but that's the gist of it. So in Louisiana, um, the city of Baton Rouge, where I grew up in, resides in East Baton Rouge Parish, not county. Okay, enough history. I could go on, but we'll save that for the next Baton Rouge podcast. Maybe we'll pull out some more Baton Rouge history um, or some more Louisiana history. Um, Seeing as the focus of our trip is Baton Rouge, our trip is mainly family-focused, so our sightseeing activities are minimal, as our last Baton Rouge podcast was as well, kind of minimal on things to see, although there are lots. Um, This trip was a a trip of firsts of many for me. Um, It was the first time for me to travel on Christmas Day. I've never traveled on Christmas Day before. I've traveled on New Year's Day and maybe some other significant um, days, but this was my first time ever traveling on Christmas. So my little tip about that, about traveling on the holidays, especially Christmas Day, is to be extra nice to the airport staff, to the TSA staff, um, to your flight attendants and crew. They're working on their holiday. They're working on Christmas Day. And because they are there serving you and, of course, making their livelihood, they're not with their families. So um, be extra nice to them. And I always say a little kindness goes a long way. And you just never know that it might make somebody's day and it might even make your day to see um, to see that kindness reciprocated or just to see how it makes their day that can really bless you. And you never know, sometimes people will go, you know, they'll go out of your way to do something extra special for you just because you've been kind to them. So Olive and I made sure that we told our flight crews and, you know, airport workers Merry Christmas. And we saw some great airport workers that were in the Christmas spirit. We had one particular gate agent who was decked out in holiday gear and she was having she was working on a holiday but she was going to make the most of it and had a have a great time and she was very friendly and very fun um so that was a first for me um this was my first time traveling 
um, pregnant with a child. I've traveled pregnant before, but this was probably the most pregnant I've ever been. Seven months traveling with a seven-year-old. So I had some nerves about this just because thinking about, you know, connections and things like that, having to make connections quickly. Um, My advice always is when you're traveling with little ones or you're traveling somewhat mobility impaired, give yourself time on your connections. And that's what we aim to do um, when we book our family trips because we have Olive and now we're going to have another little one. It just takes that much longer to get through an airport. You got little people with little short legs um, and Olive too. (laughs) Kiss Caleb and I have very short legs. Um, So, you know, you just need more time to get you and your things through the airport. So bear that in mind when booking your flights. Uh, The tempting thing to do is to say, oh, this one's only got a 45-minute connection. That's great. And it sounds great until, you know, you have delays or you have to catch your next flight all the way across the other end of the airport and you're scrambling and you're stressed. So I always try when traveling with children to aim for about an hour and a half layover time. That's kind of the sweet spot for me. Um, But you do you. So, um, like I said, some nerves. Not to mention, we're flying during the days of COVID. Um, and at this particular time around the holidays, cancellations were happening all around. The Omicron variant was spreading and people are getting it. Um, it the flight crews and all of that. So cancellations having to happen. Um, but our travel to Baton Rouge was very smooth and unscathed, even if our flights were a little bit turbulent. Um, we got where we needed to be on time and everything was great, even though there were lots of cancellations happening all around us. Um, Olive was a great helper and she's a good little airport companion. You give her a neck pillow and her Kindle or her little Nintendo switch and she's good to go. She's a happy camper, neck pillow and some games. She's golden, but she was very helpful to me and very sweet. Um, She knew that traveling was a little bit more difficult for me at this point. So she was trying to do her best to be helpful. And it was so sweet. Um, So we arrive in Baton Rouge and I absolutely love being in Baton Rouge around the holidays because it's nostalgia for me. It's the place I grew up. It never snows there for Christmas, at least not in my lifetime. But there's something special about any place that you grew up around Christmas. Um, Every place has its own unique special Christmas vibe. You know, even if you're someplace tropical or in Australia, that's totally foreign to me. But, you know, I'm sure it's special and fun to be in, even in those environments around Christmas. No snow, none of the quaint, quintessential North American ideals for Christmas, but I'm sure that it's fun and, and, and unique to be in those areas for Christmas. So Christmas time in the humid deep south, the humid moss-covered uh, oak-lined tree deep south is no exception. It can be very special. Um, Christmas in Baton Rouge or South Louisiana can go either extreme. You can have cold, you know, down in the 40s, the 30s, that can happen. Or it can be very warm in the 80s, which was the case of this particular trip. We had 80-degree weather almost every day that we were there in the low to mid-80s. Uh, the humidity was down a little bit, so that that was a nice break because the humidity can be quite oppressive. Um, and when I say cold in the 40s, I know a lot of northerners kind of chuckle at that. But believe it or not, that can feel pretty biting and pretty cold because it's a very humid cold that really sinks in 
to your bones. Um, so 40 degrees doesn't sound too bad, but you add in extreme humidity with that. And it is, it's like a cold, wet blanket has been thrown on you. And um, so you really have to dress accordingly, just like you would up here. It's, you know, up here you'd say 45 degrees and you might throw on a sweater and some jeans and some, you know, you'd be okay. But 40s down there, you really do have to bundle up if you're going to be outside at all, because it really is a damp cold. Um, so, um, we were so glad to get to Baton Rouge with no trouble. My mother picked us up, took us the back roads home so that we could look at all the Christmas lights. This is a favorite for me as a child. And it's still a favorite now that I've married into the Berg household, Caleb, Olive and I, we love to get some hot chocolate and go look at Christmas lights. And it's fun to do in Baton Rouge. It's fun to do in Geneseo. It's fun to do wherever you are. Um, I specifically, after this activity, after we made our little way to my mom's house, I specifically requested crawfish etouffee for my mom for Christmas. And she was very happy to oblige. She made enough for us to eat off of for the next few days, and I was in heaven over it. I was totally fine with eating crawfish etouffee three nights in a row. Um, I was more than happy. Um, so crawfish etouffee is a very famous Louisiana dish. Etouffee is a French word that literally means smothered. And so this is like a thick sauce, almost like a stew, if you will, made of shellfish generally, that you serve over rice, like most good things in Louisiana. So you smother your rice with this uh, creamy or this thickened um, shellfish sauce or stew, if you will. And oh boy, is it good. Um, traditionally, this is made with a roux as its base. So that's flour and oil cooked together, stirred together over time to get the flavors going and all of that. But my mom has a cheat way to make it. She can make it both ways. She can make it the traditional way and she can make it with her cheat recipe. Um, so don't throw stones, all of my actual Cajun and Louisiana friends, but it is good. I love her cheat etouffee and that's actually the one that I requested. Um, it is so good. I won't give the recipe away. If you want it, you can, you can contact me and I'll, we'll talk about it. I won't give all the secrets away here, but it was so good. Um, again, this is crawfish etouffee. You can make it with shrimp or other things, I'm sure. I've, shrimp etouffee is very good, but I love crawfish etouffee. Louisiana is known um, for eating crawfish. You, you get there in the, the early spring and there's crawfish boils. That's a big thing. Honestly, my favorite way to eat them is in etouffee. Uh, crawfish boils are fine and good. I'm not one to sit there for a long time and peel and eat and peel and eat like many are. Um, I love crawfish in etouffee. It is just top notch for me. And Olive is not a big seafood eater, so she made herself quite happy with a lot of rice. She loves rice. She could eat it all day, every day. Um, so we had lots of fun at my mother's house, or as Olive calls her, Nene's house. Um, we went on lots of walks. We had a picnic lunch at City Park. We made donuts one morning. We made Christmas cookies another day. I had to have my arm twisted into making Christmas cookies. Um, it's it's just not one of my favorite pastimes. I mean, I get the nostalgia and, you know, it's just the thing that you do around Christmas time to make sugar cookies with the icing and all that. But all of that tedious work, um, the rolling, the cutting, it's just, 
I have to be, I have to be persuaded a little bit. So the way that they, the way that this worked out was I was like, okay, if I'm doing this, we're watching one of my favorite Christmas movies, which is Babes in Toyland. Olive and my mother were in agony because I had this on in the background and I'm singing all of the silly little songs that go along with it. Um, and nobody in my family can stand this movie, but me. Um, so, but that, those were my terms. If we were going to make sugar cookies and do all the cutting and the decorating and all these things, we had to watch Babes in Toyland or at least had to be on in the background whilst we did this activity. Um, But we had a lot of fun and they endured my uh, very cheesy early Disney film, Babes in Toyland. Um, So that was a lot of fun. I already mentioned we went on a a picnic in City Park. Um, Baton Rouge has lots of great parks And the weather was warm, but not terribly humid. So we got our delicious Calvin's chicken salad. Um, I'll tell you about that in a second. And we drove down to City Park. And uh, we did a lot of driving through the Garden District. I love the Garden District in Baton Rouge. It's a great old neighborhood with great old homes, fabulous architecture, fun to drive around during the holidays and see the lights there. Um, And so we went to City Park. City Park is a great area and locale to stay in if you're staying in Baton Rouge. It's so centrally located. You've nestled between the LSU lakes, which are great for all sorts of activities, and between the Garden District, you're near the LSU campus, you're near downtown. So it's a great place to stay. It's a vibrant neighborhood with lots of character. Um, It's just really a lot of fun. So we took Olive there. We got our Calvin's chicken salad. This is an iconic Baton Rouge chicken salad that is only to be gotten from a small little local grocer um, in the Bocage neighborhood, which is near where, which is where my mom lives. And um, it is just one of the best chicken salads in the world, in my opinion. Caleb agrees. He loves Calvin's chicken salad. It is a like finely pureed chicken salad, so it's not real chunky, but it is so flavorful and it makes for a fabulous sandwich spread. And in my opinion, you don't need anything else. If you've got good bread and Calvin's chicken salad, you really don't need anything else on that sandwich. Um, I don't even put mayo or anything because the the salad, the chicken salad is so creamy. Um, it's just delish, but you could get by with a little mayo and maybe some good lettuce or something if that's your thing. But you know what? I'm just happy with it as is. Maybe if I've got some good in season tomatoes, I might throw some tomato on there, but it's just good standalone. It's even good as a dip. Like we used to just buy veggies and dip your veggies into this chicken salad. You buy it by the tub and you just go to town. It's delish. So that was a must for our little picnic. Olive played. We got a walk-in. I have to say, at this particular park, city park, um, they have a fabulous dog park, a Raising Cane's dog park. You hear me talk about Raising Cane's here in a few minutes. Um, It's a chicken fast food chain that originated in Louisiana, and um, everything revolves around it, it seems like. We've got our dog parks named after it. We've got our entertainment centers named after it. It's a big deal when you go to South Louisiana to get some Raising Cane's chicken. It's just a big deal. Um, So like I said, that is a great locale to stay in around City Park. Like I said, it's nestled there right up there by the LSU Lakes. It's a large park system with golf, tennis, access to the lakes for kayaking, walking, biking, running, all those things. Great dog park. You'll see everybody out with their dogs all the time. And um, nearby or downtown, the 
there's a great uh, children's museum called the Knock Knock Museum, and also the iconic and beautiful LSU campus, which is a great place to walk around and explore, too, if you're visiting Baton Rouge. Um, Another holiday must for me, I've talked about this place before, is Victoria Toy Station. Uh, My mom and I took Olive here, and she got to pick something out. And as well, we picked a little something out for the baby. This is a place that I always have gone to around the holidays. When I was a child, my mom always went there and got usually my stocking stuffers from this particular place because she could find unique little toys, little handcrafted toys from like Germany and other places, you know, hand-painted little puppets and um, just very unique things that you can't just find at Walmart or your your big box stores. Um, so very unique, set in an old Victorian home that was, you know, renovated and converted into a fun toy store. It's one of those toy stores where every nook and cranny is just jammed with something exciting. Like you never, and, and all these little rooms that you walk into, um, and it's just exciting everywhere you go. You've got rooms that are really geared toward boys and and um you know very boy toy kind of rooms and then you've got other rooms that are very girly and princessy or focused on baby dolls and and each room sort of has its little theme and just jam-packed like stuff just falling out of the shelves and and over and overflowing um with fun and so olive loves this i love this just the smell of the place brings me back to childhood um this store was started probably around the time i was born in the late 90s and um I can remember as a child, they would do various little workshops where you could go. My mom and I went to a rubber stamping workshop when I was a kid and, you know, got rubber stamps and and, um, made cards with rubber stamps. I guess it was the thing to do in the early 90s. But um, I can just go in there and smell it and have those memories come flooding back of those fun times in that store. So I love it and I love to take all of there, especially around the holidays, because it's usually beautifully decorated um, and it's just a great staple to the mid-city government street area of Baton Rouge, which is a vibrant um, sort of artistic area of town with um, lots of great shops. Um, So for me, moving on quickly here, no trip to Baton Rouge is complete without a walk or a jog around the LSU lakes. And since for me at this particular trip, jogging in 85 degrees at seven months pregnant was not really in question for me, uh, my mom and I just settled for a walk instead. At this point, Olive had gone on to Caleb's mother's house to have an overnight there, and I would soon join them. Um, But I decided, when it was just Mom and I, that we wanted to go for a nice long walk. Now, I thought a nice long walk would maybe be a couple of miles. I thought that would be, you know, my max of what I could do being pregnant. Um, Not having been as extraordinarily active as I was with Olive. With Olive, I was running half marathons. Um, But this baby, not so much. Um, So we went on a walk, and I thought, we'll walk out about a mile. We'll go around the big lake about a mile. Then we'll turn around and, and, and double back. So a two-mile walk, that'll be that'll be pretty good. It's a hot day, and I don't want to do too much. So we get going, and we're talking, and we're looking at the houses. There's some great houses all around these lakes, um, lots of different architectural examples, some classic Louisiana architecture examples, but just a lot of nice homes to look at. So we're getting, we're going and, and the weather doesn't feel too bad. And before we know it, we've walked a good mile and a half already. And I'm like, well, if we turn around now, this will be a three mile walk. 
we could just persevere and do the whole four miles. What's an extra half mile? So we did. We decided to press on and do the whole thing. Um, and it and the sun decided to come out. It decided to get pretty hot. Even my mom, um, who's a pretty fit lady, we were both <laughs> we were both kind of struggling on this walk because it got really warm. Um, so we did take our time. We had a couple of stop rest stops and, um, found some water fountains and, and replenished (laughs) and rehydrated, but we really enjoyed our four mile walk around the big lake at LSU. Um, just looking at the houses and saying what we loved about them, what we didn't, what we would change. That's just the kind of thing that my mom and I do, I guess. So, um, so those are some musts for me. I love the LSU lakes. I love to spend time walking them if I can. Um, food musts for us on, on these trips. Baton Rouge is such a food city. Every time I go down there, there have been multiple new restaurants to open and it's so hard and it's so tempting. I want to try the new places. I do, but since I can, I only get down there once a year, every other year, it's like, man, I want to eat those staple restaurants, you know, that, that I love. It's so hard to make that decision. Do I try something new? Do I stick with what I love? Because I only get it every so often. So mostly for this trip, I stuck with what I loved and what I was really wanting and thinking about, um, which for us is always raising canes. Like I mentioned, this is a um, Baton Rouge startup that has started to grow nationwide. They just do chicken fingers, but man, they do them good. And it's the sauce, the dipping sauce that gets you hooked. I mean, it's that really, it's like they put something illegal in it because um, it just has you going back for more. But chicken fingers, Thick sliced buttered Texas toast, perfectly toasted, tasty French fries, delicious sauce, chicken fingers, fresh, never frozen, delicious chicken fingers. I follow their Instagram account and it's torture, man. It's torture to look at all these beautiful, um, you know, postings of, of Raising Cane's chicken fingers and you can't get it. It's... um it's a little bit torturous. So um, we have to do that when we get there, and we did. We definitely got some of that. Elsie's is my one of my all-time favorite restaurants. Every time we go down there, I go to Elsie's. I just can't help myself but go there. Um, and I can't remember what I got for my main there. I know it was good because I've never had a bad plate of food. But I know they're known for their pies. So I had a slice of pecan pie because I just can't say no to pecan pie. And Olive wanted the s'mores pie. So we got a slice of each. And we just dem- – Olive demolished that s'mores pie. That that poor slice of pie didn't even know what hit it when Olive got it. Um, but it was delicious. Um, I already mentioned Calvin's chicken salad, which is a must for me. La Madeline is a must, which is actually a chain restaurant, kind of a regional chain, regional to Texas and Louisiana and maybe a couple of other places. And, you know, it's not as good as it used to be, which often happens with chains um, and franchises. But I still love it. They still have amazing chicken salad there. It's also a very good chicken salad there. An amazing tomato soup, amazing potato soup, and some other wonderful things. Their sandwiches are so good. Um, And even though it's just not what it used to be, I think the quality is just not there. It's still really good. And for me, it's a nostalgia thing. Um, So we did try, my mom and I did try one new thing when I was down there. Um, On one of our 
days, one of the days that we didn't have Olive with us, we went for a walk downtown because I love downtown Baton Rouge. It's a quaint little downtown vibe. It's not a bustling city, um, but you catch it on the right day and there could be a good bit of people out, especially if you catch it on market day. That's one thing I'll say. If you're in Baton Rouge on a Saturday morning and you're a morning riser, um, get up, go for an early morning walk or run, and then go to the Baton Rouge Farmer's Market, the Red Stick Market down in downtown Baton Rouge. It's a great little farmer's market. Um, lots of great prepared food. There's an indoor-outdoor component to this farmer's market. And inside, you can find some tasty food, um, local sausages, all kinds of local local things that are delicious. And of course, fresh produce and all of those fresh dairy, all those things. Um, I love Red Stick Market. And if we would have been there on a Saturday morning, I would have definitely gone, but that didn't work out. Um, So Red Stick Market is great. And that's in downtown Baton Rouge. But because I still wanted to go for a little walk in downtown, uh, mom and I did that. And we happened upon a um, new to me um, eatery there called The Vintage, and it's um, located in downtown Baton Rouge on Laurel Street. And they are, they, it's, um, it's a coffee bar slash champagne and what have you bar, uh, but they have coffee and beignets and maybe some other offerings. And so we decided to duck in for beignets because I did want some beignets. For those of you who don't know, they're sort of a pillowy, sopapilla-like um, dessert, uh, fried dough, that's usually cut into squares or maybe long strips or fingers and fried and then served with powdered sugar over. And they're delicious. It's a New Orleans staple. If you go to New Orleans, you go to Cafe Du Monde and you get really kind of the iconic original beignet and the best beignets, in my opinion, that are out there. Um, But these were very good at the vintage. They're not quite the same. They were a little bit more doughy, um, a little bit, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's the best term I can use, doughy than what I'm used to. I like my beignet to be real airy and have like whole like holes in it you know like the dough makes holes in it like pockets inside but this was a more a slightly more dense beignet but it was still delicious got a delicious cafe au lait and the atmosphere inside of this little restaurant or um, coffee bar whatever whatever you might want to label it as was very nice um, it was very spacious I was surprised at the spaciousness of this um, place and good beignets and good cafe au lait and other people were there enjoying themselves enjoying the atmosphere um really nice little place to tuck into and um get a drink get some beignets some one of those things um that's going to somewhat conclude the sightseeing and food portion of this podcast. The rest of our time, after we spent time with my mom, we went to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house, and Olive got to spend some great time with Mima and Papa. They saved putting up their Christmas tree for her, so we put the Christmas tree up a few days after Christmas. She had fun with that. She loves going to Mima's house and playing with Mima, seeing her aunt and uncle, and playing games. That's what we did a lot of there, played board games and just had fun. It was kind of a nice rest because um, at my mom's, it was a little bit more go, go, go. We did a lot of walking. We did some shopping and other things that I just don't have time to mention. But um, this was more of the rest portion of the trip, which is important to build into your trips. You know, Caleb and I were go, go, goers when it comes to travel, but sometimes it's just good to have some rest days. And that's what it was with me, man, Papa. Olive just kind of has her run of the place. She goes inside, outside every five minutes. She's, 
I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go back in. And um, she just kind of gets to do that. She has some fun outdoor toys. She loves to play in the back of Papa's truck. Um, She loves to, we love to go down to the park in Mima and Papa's neighborhood. That's what she calls um, my in-laws, Dan and Linda, Mima and Papa. She loves to get Popeyes when we're down in Louisiana. So, of course, Mima and Papa indulge. Um, even though we have a Popeyes up here in Rochester, but she just went in Louisiana. You got to get red beans at Popeyes in Louisiana, according to Olive. So we had a great time there. From there, we went on to my dad's house uh, in North Baton Rouge. And my dad, this was now around um, New Year's Day. So we spent the whole week between Christmas and New Year's down there. When we get to my dad's house, my dad is known for his amazing fireworks displays at on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Um, My uncle comes in from Texas and brings in all the loot. My dad and some friends, they all chip in um, and spend lots of money on lots of fireworks. And my dad has a blast setting this all up and, and putting on a show for his friends and family. And Olive was so excited to see Pops. That's what she calls my dad. Pops's, um, New Year's Eve fireworks spectacular, we'll call it that. Um, And it did not disappoint. Uh, We did it earlier because we had to catch our flight the next day on New Year's Day. So I flew on Christmas Day and New Year's Day and um, didn't disappoint. She had so much fun. So much fun watching him do that at 8.30 instead of midnight so that she could get to bed at a decent time so we could catch our flight. Um, we did spend some time with my grandparents, too, which was a major reason for the trip. My grandfather is 99 and will be 100 on Memorial Day this year, and my grandmother is 94. So it was very special to me to be able to spend some holiday time with them. I got to be in the kitchen with my grandmother and watch her make her gumbo, um, which is something I've always grown up eating but never really got her recipe for it or the way that she makes it. I I make it. I actually had a friend teach me to make it years ago, um, but never as a child, of course, you don't think about these things as a kid, um, got my grandmother to teach me her way of making it, um, which was passed down to her from her mother. So this really is a Louisiana, you know, staple. Gumbo is the na- is not the national the state dish of Louisiana, and its origins are a bit murky. Nobody's quite sure exactly where it came from. Most likely, it's a melting pot of all the cultures that have inhabited the area, a blend of Native American, African, French, um, all these things blending together. And there are different iterations of it. Um, I won't take a lot of time to go into it, but there's the Creole gumbo versus the Cajun gumbo. Um, And one of the main things there is the Creole gumbo will probably have tomato product in it, tomatoes in it of some some sort, whereas a Cajun gumbo, a true Cajun gumbo, will not have any tomato in it. And since my family is Cajun, we do not put tomato in our gumbo. Although I will eat a good Creole gumbo, that's no problem. But the stuff I grew up with and the way I make it, um, I make more of the classic Cajun version of a gumbo. So got to see my grandmother make hers. And boy, my, her, my grandmother's gumbo, my mama's gumbo, is about as simple as it gets. Really and truly, this is a Cajun 
peasant dish, if you will. Um, she doesn't even use the Trinity, and every, people would probably balk at this. Um, but what's often referred to in Cajun or cr- even Creole cooking as the as the Trinity is um, is bell pepper, celery, and onion. Those are the base for a lot of our dishes. She doesn't even use all that. She just uses onions, um, and it but it comes out so good. It's about as simple as can be. But it's one of my favorite meals. Um, it's something I grew up with, and it's just so good. Uh, again, it's a roux-based dish, so you start with flour and oil and cook that and stir that and stir it until it gets nice and dark and full of flavor. And that's your base for this um, For this, It's a stew. It's a soup stew. Really, it's its own thing. It's gumbo. It's hard to, you know, people want to say, is it a soup? Is it a stew? It's... Well, it's it's gumbo. It's its own thing, and it's served over rice, as as is many of our iconic Louisiana dishes, because rice grows so well down there. That's our starch staple. Whereas in other parts of the country, it's potato. Down south in South Louisiana, it's rice, um, and so this is a this is our statewide dish, and everybody has their own iteration of it, um, and everybody's going to argue that theirs is the best or the most original, and all these things. Um, and it's true, whatever you grew up with is whatever you love usually. But it was really special for me to get to watch my grandmother make hers and uh, take some note um, for myself so that I can incorporate some of her practices into mine and just pass that knowledge on, you know. Um, it's just so special. Olive got to play Barbies with Aunt V. That's a big deal when we go down there. My aunt has all of her classic Barbies from the 50s and 60s and handmade clothes that my grandmother made, that her grandmother made, um, and lots of little tiny doll furniture that was my great-great-grandmother's. So very old, um, classic little sturdy little things that have survived the test of time somehow because I played with them. Multiple generations have played with them. So I'll have had a lot of fun with that. Um, and so that concludes our trip. And then back to the airport we go on New Year's Day. Um, I have to say on New Year's Day and Christmas Day, crowds were low. Olive and I walked right through security. Uh, no lines. It was great. Um, once we get to our gate, okay, so I've done a lot of walking, been on my feet a lot during this trip, and I've eaten a lot of salty and fried foods, (laughs) So my ankles, needless to say, my pregnant lady ankles are pretty swollen. So and and just tired and achy, I decide to get in one of those airport massage chairs. So I wanted to pose this question to you all, my listeners, whoever you might be, to massage chair or not to massage chair? Is that that is the question? Um, have you ever done one of the airport massage chairs or mall massage chairs? What are your thoughts? Is it ooh gross or you know what, Um, when in Rome or, you know, I've always kind of been leery of them because I'm like, oh, you know, so many people sit in those and that kind of thing. Um, But you know what? I was like, I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. It just, I've heard people say they're actually not, they're actually pretty good. And so I, I did it. I jumped in one. Olive wanted to do it too, but then it kind of freaked her out. So she got out and um, she happily played her video games while I sat there and thought that I was only paying for like the eight minute massage, but I accidentally paid for like the 20 minute massage. So I sat there in this chair, massaged my ankles, legs, back. It was actually really kind of nice. It really was. And I think it really did help with my ankle swelling because, like I said, my feet and my ankles from walking so much and from uh, eating so much salty fried food and all of that were just my, I was a little bit swollen. So 
I think the massage actually helped. I got out and I swear my ankles did not look quite so puffy and it was just really nice. Um, and, and then we had some stressful travel moments that totally harshed my vibe, but, um, it, it all worked out fine. We had a very short connection in Charlotte and then we had a delay on top of that. So we were faced with the real possibility of missing our flight and the real possibility that Olive and I might have to run through the Charlotte airport. Um, but my tip there is if you know you've got a short connection and if you're nervous about that, you're nervous about missing your flight, talk to your gate attendant, talk to, talk to whoever is there, find out where it's going to be. Um, find out your possibilities. I asked our gate attendant, I said, look, I am seven months pregnant and running through the airport with my child is going to be a very difficult thing. Would it be possible to arrange for, um, you've probably seen them in the airport, the little carts that take people places that take, you know, um, mobility impaired folks to their connections. And unfortunately, because there were so many COVID um, absences in the airport staff, she told me that they weren't running those right now. And sadly, a lot of the people that really, really were depending on them were missing their flights frequently. And that was sad to hear that they couldn't operate those because of the shortages um, and that people were missing their flights. But I say I share this information to say it never hurts to ask um, because had they provided that service, it's very likely that the attendant would have helped me to to have one of those waiting for me and to hurry up and whisk Olive and I to our connection. Um, so it never hurts to ask about what your possibilities are, about where your connection is so that you can have a game plan in mind. Um, you know, after talking to the attendant, I talked to Olive and I said, listen, we are going to have to move quickly. We don't have time to stop and go to the bathroom. We don't have time to stop and get snacks. And, and that preparedness, you know, when you travel with children, just preparing them for what is needed to be done really helps, I find. If I can give Olive an advance notice and tell her, look, honey, this is our game plan. She's usually on board versus if I um, didn't tell her and I was stressed and I'm just yanking her around and I'm saying, you know, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. She doesn't understand why. Um, But if I sit her down beforehand and explain to her the situation, I find that things go a lot better. So a lot of preparedness talk to your gate agents, talk to, talk to people, um, to find out what your possibilities are. Always use kindness. It goes a long way and, um, hope for the best. And it actually worked out for us. Our second flight got slightly delayed. So we worked, everything worked out fine. Um, another first that we had, Caleb knew our connection was going to be short. So he bumped us up to first class so that we could be some of the first people to get off the plane. So that was a lot of fun. Olive was super excited about flying first class. You know, you get your choice pick of those snacks. You get access to snacks that the people in the back don't even know are going on. Um, just a lot of little perks and amenities to flying first class. It was just a fun experience. Um, so that was another first on this trip. So thank you, Caleb, for helping us out, putting us at the front of the plane so that we could get off more quickly and easily for that really short connection we had. That's something else that you might want to think of. Sometimes it might be worth that upgrade, uh, even to step up to business class to get to the front of the plane, get off quicker, make your connection faster. Sometimes it's worth that extra 40 bucks. 
um, to know that you have a better chance of not missing your flight. Anyway, all these tips that we've given, we love giving travel tips. We love helping people book travel, um, whether you're going to Disney, whether you're going to Europe, whether you're going um, somewhere domestically in the country. We love to help connect you with groups and modes of travel that are best for you. So hit us up, give us a call, send us an email, reach out to us. We would love to help you book your next vacation because we are that vacation company serving you the most delightful destinations.